Hey yo, Cali Green Monster Show. Sports. Stuff. Welcome into another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from my apartment in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. It is, oh shit, I forgot the day of the week. It is Thursday, May 20th, 2021. Yeah, man. Guess it's one of those mornings, forgetting what day of the week it is. I think definitely having yesterday be my Monday, even though it was a Wednesday, has definitely thrown me off. I think I was about to call it Tuesday. So, um, yeah, fuck me, right? So let's get on with the show. We got a good one packed for you as always. This is the Cali Green Monster Show, episode 90. We are only 10 away from episode 100. My goodness, it's been a wild ride. You know, from a, a dingy little show that was just recorded from a, a microphone that you plugged into the bottom of my iPhone to this professional business that's got the sports stuff, yeah, with some awesome garage band music and, you know, the random bootleg ESPN music drops whenever I talk about football or the bootleg old school UFC music that we play. It's just like, dude, a Cali Green Monster show it's legit. I'm proud of this large, loyal audience that I've established with you guys because apparently you love coming here, downloading and listening. You love telling your friends about the sultry voice of the Cali Green Monster. So today we're going to talk about the playing game that happened last night. Well, there was two playing games that happened last night, but I don't really give two shits about the Spurs and the Grizzlies. So, you know, summary of that game. The Grizzlies won. Bye-bye San Antonio. I think that's only the first time in Greg Popovich's career, in like the 25-year career of him coaching the San Antonio Spurs, that he's had back-to-back seasons of not being in the playoffs. That's a pretty crazy accomplishment that he's been so consistent and has able to keep San Antonio a consistent winner. But there's only so much you can do. I mean, you look at Greg Popovich now. I think he's looking so old and with that long-ass hair. He's starting to look like the Crypt Keeper. So I don't know how much longer Greg Popovich's Hall of Fame coaching career is going to last. But, you know, he's it was a pretty great accomplishment to, you know, be so consistent over the years. But, you know, so... We'll get more to basketball, so I'm going to talk about the Lakers and the Warriors game. You know, winner of that was going to go on to play the Phoenix Suns. Loser is going to have to play the Memphis Grizzlies, so talk about that. also want to talk about the MLB's sixth no-hitter. You know, on yesterday's show, I talked about how there was the fifth no-hitter already, and that was pretty crazy that we had five no-hitters at this point in May. You know, I didn't really talk too much about it, and I didn't know if I was going to get to it. So I, on the next, like, you know, I have a little notebook of notes, and on the next page I had written, hey, talk about the fifth no-hitter. Well, shit, wouldn't have known that we're going to have the sixth no-hitter. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, and then also finish off the show with apparently... GSP, Oscar De La Hoya, that could have potentially been a thing that could have blessed our televisions, but Dana White has apparently shot that down, so I'm going to talk about that 
at the end of the show. So let's just start it off. You know, let's talk about, you know, real basketball show, you know, NBA playing game yesterday. Man, the Lakers looked like shit that first half of the game. They couldn't do anything. You know, the big three of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Dennis Schroeder, they started the game shooting four for 28. It was a pretty rough, you know, uh, Draymond Green was playing excellent defense on Anthony Davis, and even the announcers were mentioning that you know Draymond Green was obviously in Anthony Davis's head. You could tell that you know since the Lakers had been so injured the second half of the season, I forget how many times they said that this their complete lineup of you know Andre Drummond, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder, you know the entire Laker lineup all together. I think they'd only played together I think less than five times, you know, because there's been so many injuries with either LeBron out or Anthony Davis out or both of those guys out or Schroeder out. So you know it definitely looked like the Lakers were a rusty team. But the thing that at least the Lakers were pretty good at is they were playing solid defense. You know, I feel like they were they Stephen Curry didn't hit a three pointer for a while in the first half. You know, he eventually got hot. He hit a nice three pointer to end the first half. And Golden State definitely looked like the better team. But considering that how bad LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Dennis Schroeder were playing, you would think that Golden State could have easily ran away with it. But you know them, the Lakers being such a long team, they're so like when you looked at the te- on the court, the Lakers were so much bigger than Golden State. And then in the second half, you could see that the Lakers really they they looked a lot better. And from that point, their skill was the was the difference. The Lakers were obviously a more talented team, and I feel like Stephen Curry did everything he could to keep. Golden State in it I think he had like 37 points you know just a typical Stephen Curry night I think he's been averaging I think like 37 points over the past 20 games so you know he's he's awesome I can't wait for Golden State in Memphis you know him versus Jean Morant I anticipate Golden State getting past him but you know it you know the Lakers. You know you got to give it. You got to give him credit. LeBron James. He got a triple double. So while he wasn't at his best, especially in the first half, you know there was a point where it looked like he tried to bully Andrew Wiggins, and Wiggins got a block on him. And the announcers were talking about that LeBron just doesn't have that explosiveness that he normally has <clears throat> to like drive up. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Sorry, throat's a little dry. But saying that LeBron didn't have that same explosiveness to, you know, really drive to the rim and, like, really bully people down in the paint. And that's probably just, you know, him not really being in basketball shape. You know, while the whole time while he was injured with that upper ankle sprain, he was posting videos of him in the gym. So, you know, he was keeping in shape, but he was definitely, you could tell he wasn't 100% LeBron in that first half. But, you know, it didn't matter at the end of the game. He hit that clutch three-pointer when the game was tied at 100. You know, and with less than a minute in the game, he jacked up a you know, a desperate three with Steph Curry in his face and nailed it. And LeBron James immediately was pointing to his face like, dude, I couldn't even see because he got like eye poked earlier. And after the game, he was saying he saw three rims and he just shot for the middle one. And, you know, that seems like a good strategy. You know, I don't know why you'd shoot for the left one, but, um, you know, shooting for the middle one seemed to work for LeBron. And, you know, the Lakers pulled it off 103-100, sets him up with a matchup with the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, the number two seed, 
the Lakers are, I think it's probably one of the first times in a really long time, if ever, that the seventh seed is probably favored. You know, the Lakers, you know, they finish lower in the seedings due to the injuries to LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's just what it is. And now that they've got their full lineup there, I th- I expect the Lakers, as long as, you know, knock on wood, they stay healthy. I anticipate them to get better as these playoffs go along. And, you know, if they stay healthy, I think they're the best team. You know, I saw they showed flashes of it yesterday because even when they weren't at their best, they're still a really great defensive team and they're big. You know, I think Andre Drummond and Montrezl Harrell and, and Anthony Davis and, you know, Kuzma and LeBron, they're just so big. And, you know, I think they're going to create problems for anyone that they face. And, you know, I anticipate, you know, Phoenix being competitive and pushing the Lakers. You know, Chris Paul has really transformed Phoenix from like a fringe playoff team to like one of the most competitive teams in the West. You know, Devin Booker, he's been some like kind of almost like a quiet superstar. Like anyone that like guess really follows basketball has known about Devin Booker for a while. We saw flashes of it last year in the bubble when he was just going off. And, you know, I think... Phoenix was undefeated in the bubble and they almost made the playoffs and then they didn't. But, you know, so Devin Booker is going to get his opportunity to shine here in the playoffs. You know, DeAndre Ayton, he's a, you know, he's a stud center, but I don't think it's going to be enough. You know, I think the Lakers, they're going to take it in six. And the only reason I'm saying it's going to take six is just because, you know, I think there's still some rough, like some rust and some gelling, and, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis and everyone trying to, you know, kind of get into full gear, you know. But I think at the end of the day, the Lakers are going to be able to pull this off. We got two more playing games tonight. We got the Indiana Pacers against the Washington Wizards. And I anticipate the Indiana Pacers being able to pull it off. I thought it was really impressive with how they smashed on the Charlotte Hornets. And I think that Russell Westbrook, you know, while he's impressive with his individual performances, I don't think he's a winner, or at least, you know, I don't think he can really inspire his team to win or make the people around him better. So I don't anticipate the Wizards being able to pull this off. So I've got Indiana winning tonight. And then tomorrow night, you got Golden State playing against the Memphis Grizzlies, Stephen Curry versus John Morant. And I'm going to go with Golden State. You know, Golden State, they looked really impressive last night. And it just took, you know, it took really the Lakers who are the most talented on paper and, you know, it took them to knock Golden State, you know, into the second play-in game. So, you know, I anticipate that Stephen Curry, he's going to be too much. You know, Jean Morant is impressive, but, you know, he's still he's still a young lion and, you know, Stephen Curry is still the GOAT right now. So, you know, I anticipate Golden State will do that. And the NBA playoffs, the Eastern First round starts on Saturday, Western on Sunday. At least that's what I think that's supposed to be what's going on. But yeah, you know, it should be a good one. Baseball. And it's kind of crazy. I remember as a kid, whenever someone got a no hitter, it was kind of like a big deal. And I feel like you almost like would be able to know who threw the no hitters because there would be like one or two a year, if that. You know, sprinkle in a couple perfect games in there. And, you know, those are kind of special moments. And I don't know if it's nowadays kids are going to be spoiled with the amount that they see. Because, you know, as I was mentioning at the beginning of the show, when I was preparing yesterday's show, I didn't know if I was going to have enough time to talk about Spencer Turnbull's 
no hitter, you know, but I, I felt like it was definitely something I wanted to talk about because of the amount of no hitters we already had and we were only halfway through May. So I just like flipped my notepad, jotted a little note down like, hey, talk about the fifth no hitter. You know, I did touch on it on yesterday's show. And, you know, last night while we were all watching basketball, you know, New York Yankees, Corey Kluber threw the first no-hitter since since uh, David Cohn in July of 1999 against the Expos for the New York Yankees. So, you know, that was the, now, now we have six no-hitters in 2021, which is, it's crazy because it's only, yeah, it was May 19th yesterday. And it just makes you wonder, like, like what's going on? Like, how are there so many people throwing no hitters? So, you know, just a refresher. You know, San Diego's Joe Musgrove threw one on April 9th. Chicago White's Carlos Rodon on April 15th. Baltimore's John Means on May 5th. Cincinnati's Wade Miley on May 7th. And then Turnbull on the 18th and Kluber on the 19th. You know, it's it it's kind of like, Okay, what is it? What's what's causing all these no hitters? You know, there was an article from the New York Times, Ben Hoffman, that did a good job of kind of, you know, highlighting a couple things that, you know, could be, you know, about this stretch of no hitters, you know. So right now, MLB is only two no hitters away from the single season record. And that single season record of no hitters, so eight no hitters in a season. This was set in 1884, so well over 100 years ago. You know, that's like well before home runs were like even a thing. And, you know, the game was like dominated by pitching. And I think that I don't even know if this would be considered the dead ball area because, you know, at 1884, I think that would be like considered like what like the second season of baseball like I think so that's pretty insane that this is you know they're on pace to beating this record so it's like what is going on you know are the hitters nowadays just that much shittier and then when you think about it it's like we've got six no hitters you know Madison Bumgardner threw a no hitter but it was during a double one of the double headers and you know one of the collective bargaining agreements or one of the things that they've agreed upon is that you know when there's a double header the games are only going to be seven innings so Bumgardner's no hitter was only a seven inning no hitter so it's just written down as a notable achievement but still you can almost put an asterisk and say that there's been seven no hitters you know and you know I think it's when you look at how the game is played and I guess the philosophy of the offenses you know a lot of teams are really sacrificing contact and high averages and they're sacrificing it for power you know people just trying to you know aim for the fence and trying to hit jacks you know so like right now teams are averaging about 7.8 hits a game and that's the second lowest hits total since 1908 so again over 100 years and they're striking out about 8.97 times per game so they're striking out you know almost tw- like twice as much time or not twice as much but you know two time you know you're you're getting like almost two strikeouts more than you're getting hits you know and that all equals up to an like teams averaging batting average about 236 
And I mean, growing up, you, a hitter who's batting 236, that's someone who's batting in your eight or nine hole slot, you know, or maybe someone that you consider throwing on the bench. And that's what the MLB teams are averaging. So, you know, it very is kind of like, it seems like players right now are going for either strikeouts, home runs, or walks. And I think that's going to result in a lot of no hitters. You know, I think that as the season goes along, we're going to see definitely less no hitters because you got to keep in mind that right now the season's in April and May. And on a lot of these cities across the country, the weather's cold. And when the weather's cold, the offense is going to be down. So when you're going to have these guys that are, you know, not swinging for contact and the balls, if it's cold and the ball's not carrying, you're going to have more likely for balls not going over the fence and being caught and, you know, dying in the outfield. So, you know, while I do think that they're on pace for breaking the no-hit record, you know, there's a reason why this record hasn't been beaten since 1884. So, you know, I do anticipate that we might get, you know, another couple. But, you know, you know, kind of like the... You know, from one of my favorite podcasts, David Sampson's uh, Nothing Personal. He always does a wait and see, something that he'll revisit, you know, see what happens. You know, this will be a wait and see. I don't think that they're going to break the no-hit record from 1884. So we're at six right now. Eight is the record. So I don't think we're going to see nine no-hitters. So I think as the weather warms up, the the no-hitters will start to dissipate, you know. So I think it's, you know, like how I'd mentioned, it's the, you know, the tendency for batters to, you know, go for power over contact. But then you also got to think that the pitchers are just better as well. You know, fastballs are now, now it's like, I think the average fastball is around 93 or 94 miles an hour. You know, it was a big deal like 10 or 15 years ago if there was a pitcher who was pumping 98 and 99. And now there's a lot of pitchers that can be able to do that. Shit, the angel Shohei Otani, who's a DH, when he pitches, he can pump 100 miles an hour, 100 plus. So I think, and it's, and it's not even just that, you know, their stuff is nastier. And then they can just control the ball better. You know, if you look at the six no-hitters that happened, you know, Spencer Turnbull only walked two people. Miley and Kluber walked one. And then in the other three no-hitters, there were no walks. So it's like these pitchers are being efficient. You know, so if they're pumping, you know, these nasty pitches and they've got good control, you know, they're constantly getting ahead in the count. That's just a recipe for a bad night for the hitters. So, but like I said, I think as the weather continues, I think that it's not going to matter how good these pitchers are. I think that, you know, more balls are going to be able to find the gaps and go over the fence. And yeah, so 1884 record. You're probably safer right now. And this is a story that totally bums me out that it's not coming to fruition. And, you know, I'm not going to maybe I I can still hold out hope because you never know in the fight world. I feel like money talks and people are greedy as fuck. And let's be real. Before Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor officially got announced, I was one of those people that was speculating like, no way, that's just a pipe dream. But, you know, it eventually happened. And, you know, so maybe that'll happen with what I'm about to talk about right now. So I guess, I don't know if conversations have been happening for a week or something, but I haven't seen anything in the news. And then last night while I was watching the Laker game, it was either while I was watching it or right before, I got an update from my Bleacher Report, and it was that Triller has basically proposed to Dana White that they'll get 
offer $1 million to a charity of Dana White's choosing if he grants permission for George St. Pierre to box Oscar De La Hoya. And, you know, Dana White, who's not been a fun of Triller, he's called it like just like a sideshow. He said that they've been, you know, exaggerating their pay-per-view numbers and that it's a joke. So, the, of course, Dana White shot that down. And, you know, so it, it's, you know, he shot that down and it makes sense. Even GSP confirmed that Dana White shot that down and he understands why Dana would. But at the same time, he, you know, he thought that he would boxing Oscar De La Hoya would be a dream come true. You know, he says that Oscar De La Hoya is a second favorite fighter, um, second only to Sugar Ray Leonard. So, of course, you know, being able to get in the ring and box with him would be something that he'd want to do. And then I guess a lot of that money, you know, not just the $1 million to Dana White's charity of choosing. I think a lot of the money that they GSP and Oscar De La Hoya would raise for that that would go to charity. So, you know, GSP was saying that not only would he be fulfilling a dream come true, but he would also be, you know, raising money for a good cause. You know, GSP was saying that, you know, while he has no disillusion or illusions that he's the better boxer than Oscar De La Hoya, you know, Oscar De La Hoya in his prime is one of the best boxers of all time. But he does think that him being younger and having a size advantage on Oscar De La Hoya could help make the the fight exciting. And, you know, I think that, you know, to GSP's credit, I don't think he's given himself enough credit. You know, he does train a lot with Freddie Roach. And, you know, while I do agree his boxing is nowhere near what Oscar De La Hoya would be, you know, GSP is a lot more stiff and uses his jab to set up takedowns, you know, in an MMA style fighting. But, you know, Oscar De La Hoya, the last we saw of him in public, this dude was either wasted or coked out or something, you know, just being like, yeah, go get him. Oh, yeah, I'm going to fight the best. Oh, Mike Dyson, he inspired me. Like, yeah, so like Oscar De La Hoya, like he seems like a fucking mess. And I know that like it's probably like riding a bike and he's a dangerous dude. And I would never want to like get in a confrontation with Oscar De La Hoya. He'd fucking kill me. But, you know, GSP, this dude's a, a robot, and he's, even though he's in retirement, and he's 40 years old, he's someone that still trains daily, he's always posting that he's always working out and still training martial arts, and you know he would take this completely seriously. You know, I would love to see it happen, but I think Dana White's pretty, like, prideful, you know, with how he's handled other fighters, you know, like Randy Couture, one of the most legendary UFC fighters and UFC champions of all time. He's had beef with Dana White, and he's been nowhere near the UFC for probably a decade now. So I don't anticipate this happening. I don't anticipate Triller and Dana White cooperating in any shape or form at any point in the future, near future. You know, it's a shame because it would definitely would make a lot of money. I would love to watch GSP versus Oscar De La Hoya. You know, we're going to get Anderson Silva versus Roy Jones. Or, no, Anderson Silva versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. You know, I'm not as excited for that because I think Chavez Jr. is a fucking bum and I don't want him to get any of my money. But, you know, it is kind of intriguing. So, you know, we'll see there. But, you know, hopefully maybe Dana White, you know, his little charity 
the the thought of money going to charity will thaw his cold heart and maybe he'll think of you know hey let's let gsp and and oscar de la hoya go at it so you know we'll see we'll see what happens on that front but as for this show I appreciate everyone that takes the di- the time to download and listen to this. You know, if you enjoyed what you listened to, you know, be a friend. Go and tell a friend. You know, but until next time, I've been your host, Dean Ryan. This has been a Cali Green Monster show. Coming from my living room in sunny San Diego, California. Have a great one, guys. Peace.